Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. I'm John Bucks, podcasting from the East Coast in Brooklyn. And joining me, as always, from the best coast out west is Brian Chin. How are you, Brian? Hey, doing well. I can't believe we're already on international break number two. I'm on wild card, so that gives you a little bit of insight to how my game week seven went. Boop, 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 wild card alarm. <laughs> We need some uh, professional sounds in here. We'll have to get our music man, Eamon, uh, from Holy Pinto to make some new sounds for us. Absolutely. So uh, as Brian mentioned, there was a lot of getting low this weekend with scores lower than some twerking moves seen at a Lizzo concert. But uh, this was a tough, <laughs> this was definitely a tough game week for many managers. There was a lot of big names in the Premier League who no-showed for FPL purposes, including Ronaldo, Romelu Lukaku and Mikel Antonio. So that's just to name a few. There were a lot of blanks across the board from players big and small alike that are popular for FPL managers. But we're going to try and keep it bright and keep it light on this episode as we enter, as Brian mentioned, as we enter into the international break, we're going to recap our team's performance, congratulate the manager of the game week, and take note of the standout performers and disappointments around the Premier League. We're then going to highlight some key takeaways for FPL purposes, having now completed just under 20% of the season. Yeah, 20% of the way through the season, Bucks. We've learned some things. I think there's a clear top four in the Premier League that stand out, but there's a lot of other teams in the mid-table jockeying for positions. So we're in a good spot here. Hopefully all of our players go on international duty. They come back safe and healthy and with all their limbs and all of their uh, resistance to COVID built up. And we hope to be back with a full squad on the side of game week eight. Absolutely. A special wish to all the Brazilian players who are going out on duty. Stay safe. Uh, don't party too much and uh, avoid the pandemic uh, if at all possible. So as Brian mentioned, we are going into the international break. So the Premier League is going to be off this coming weekend. And so Brian and I are really going to spend this episode focused on game week seven, and we're going to come back next week's episode and dive into Brian's wildcard plans and preview what's going on in game week eight. And also we'll take our listener questions at that point in time. So with all that out of the way, all the administrative gobbledygook, let's dive into how our teams performed. Brian, take it away. I mean, I'm not sure what word you just said, Bucks, but I think that's how my team performed. It was a bunch of gobbledygook. Uh, 39 points for me, a 77K red arrow, and now I'm sitting at 355K overall. Not Yuck. the worst spot to be in, but it was just such a, a gloomy and, and overcast uh, type of game week where the Saturday fixtures, every single player blanked. I'm looking at my team, I'm like, am I going to crack 20 points? between 11 players this game week and thankfully the standout players from Manchester City and Liverpool put on an absolute show and reminded us why we love the Premier League so much so between those folks and Brighton's defense uh, was managed was able to manage 39 points Antonio was my captain he blanked um, that was kind of disappointing after Brentham aka Brentford put up three uh, goals and let in three goals the week <laughs> prior um so you know overall pretty forgettable game week i will say i was pissed off to see alonzo at uh, on the bench that was at 6 a.m 
for me in the West Coast, waking up, refreshing the lineups, and he's nowhere to be seen. So he was one of my transfers in for Shaw, who ends up playing this game week. And then I brought in Saar for Greenwood. Those two players and those two transfers, those precious transfers, netted me one point. So very disappointing overall there. But hey, it's a forgettable game weekend. I'm on the wild card. So wild times. Let's start the chinsanity. Here we go, Bucks. All right. I'm going to take my game week away as well. But uh, before we do, Brian, Brentford won. They're looking like they're going to be staying up in the Premier League for some time to come. And uh, I think your transfers actually technically were uh, right. That was a minus three overall because you would have netted four points but instead your guys netted one point so that's uh that's really frustrating i understand why you hate to see you're it. feeling it yeah exactly i mean uh, i i wanted the i wanted the high upside player in alonzo because i was honestly thinking about captaining him i was of the belief that he maybe he came off early to get some rest he had started so many premier league games prior so he, he went off early during champions league at 45 and i was just hoping for him to start Based on the uncertainty, I still brought him in, but I didn't start him and I didn't uh, captain him. But I ended up fielding 10 players this game week because he didn't play. And I had a non-playing bench with TA injured, uh, also a non-playing forward and then ailing injured. So it was a a tough one. And it's it's the time for me to um, hit my wild card like I had been promising our listeners. Yeah, so I didn't fare too much better than Brian, even though he played with 10 men and I played with 11. I ended up with a score of 41 points. This is the second straight red hour arrow for me this game week, and it brings me down to an overall rank of 75,000 in the world. So still respectable, but uh, disappointing to have dropped in two low-scoring game weeks. I feel like my team is kind of template but I've just chosen wrong on captaincy the last two game weeks. That's really been the difference between a successful and a disappointing result. And like Brian, I also went Mikel Antonio. He's been a dream of a forward spot, budget forward thus far for West Ham and even more so for FPL owners. But, you know, I had Mo Salah, as did Brian, and we both had the benefit of double Brighton clean sheet. So really, that was all the points that both of us had this game week. I <laughs> I had Ben White. He was in my first bench spot, and I was a little frustrated. He got seven points. He ends up with one bonus and the clean sheet, and he didn't come on because uh, all my other guys played. So Greenwood, who was on the, on the fence, Jota, who I shipped out, they both kind of disappointed in otherwise uh, interesting matches. So I definitely should have had Ben White in my starting lineup for this match. Lesson learned. Yeah, I think bucks for you as well. You know, I thought maybe Ivan Tony might make your first bench slot. But after TAA went down and they put up such a good performance the week before scoring three goals, you know, you have to start him again because, you know, Brentford looked pretty good and pretty attacking. So I don't think you you were going to ever bench him. So tough to have Ben White on your bench. Um, I will say that you have picked very wisely having Ben White instead of Luke Ayling. They were both 4.5 going into the season. You went with White for the dependability. I went with Ayling for hopefully some cleans and maybe attacking returns. Uh, Ayling has only returned one time uh, with a goal in the opening game weekend. Other than that, it's been a bunch of ones and twos, and now he's flag injured. So I will be saying uh, dirce to Mr. Uh, Mr. Ayling and get him out of my squad on wildcard. But White is a great guy to have on your bench, uh, whether it's your first bench slot, 
he can come in, you know, at any time and, and deliver you points plus bonus. So it's uh, good to have your, your bench at least scoring points, um, unlike mine, who totaled zero and played zero minutes. Exactly. And with that, you know, we should move on to a manager who really got it right this game week. In these forgettable game weeks, that's really where you differentiate yourself and you're able to soar up the rankings and to get massive green arrows because everyone else is going low, so you can go big. So that's what this manager did. Denmark One is the name of the team. Manager is Dennis Horn. He lands on 67 points to go top of our FPL Blues podcast Super League for the game week. Uh, Dennis chose Mo Salah, who... You know, with all everything going on in the FPL, Salah was a differential choice as captain this game week. And some of the other differential options that he had deliver in his squad, Andres Townsend delivers 10 points, Jamie Vardy and Thomas Suchek both deliver eight points. And oh he's my one goodness. of those what? Yeah. Who who goes with all of these differentials? That is impressive to a combination of players to have in your squad. Like that is very far away from the template now that I hear those names and those point totals out loud. And Dennis did one better. He's been loyal to Bruno Fernandez. So he's he's going against the grain of some of my hot takes on this podcast. He added five points. And Dennis beat the average score this game week, which was 38 by 29 points, which is just absolutely massive, basically doubling the average score of the general FPL public. So bravo to Dennis, way to be brave. And he still has his wild card. So Dennis, I think a lot of green arrows are in your near future. I mean, absolutely flying while all of us are just waiting to board the plane this weekend and had some disappointing point totals. This guy's, you know, flying a private jet all the way to Honolulu having a good time. So congrats to him on that uh, point total. And we also want to shout out um, Bobby Morali, who his team of usual suspects put up 62 points. And, you know, he had a couple uh, good calls, differential captain with Jimenez delivering a huge 20 points. I would have, you know, killed for something like that in my team. So well done. And then we also had Michael Smith's squad of Yukante touch this with 58 points. And he's, um, you know, also had 20 points from Jimenez. So well done to those who are brave to go for differential captains this game week. Sorry, one last manager that we should continue to give flowers and plaudits to is Amar and his squad of Turkish Kabak. Uh, For another game week now, he stays atop the Super League. He's in first place again. Amar is definitely setting the pace. And uh, we're all just trying to be like Amar. Uh, at this point in the FPL season. So (laughs) hopefully, you know, we're going to recap next what's going on in game week seven, but this international break should hopefully switch up a lot of squads with wild cards abound. And all the managers in the Super League need to be thinking about how can we get one up on Amar as we go into game week eight. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the recap of this weekend's matches. BRB. The boys are back in the building and we're ready to recap the matches from game week seven. Let's start with Manchester United one, Everton one in a very surprising result as the Toffees spoil a home fixture for Manchester United. Bucks, we get the team sheets here in this one, bright and early. And who is benched? Cristiano Ronaldo. He gets his first rest. And this is something that's frankly is going to happen from time to time this season since they have 
aspirations in Champions League. They played a, a grinded out game where he scored the winner in stoppage time midweek. So with players like Cavani, Martial, and uh, the like coming into the squad and can come off the bench at any time, we will see him rotated from time to time. He is 36 years old, so let's not forget that. Yeah, but I think uh, I agree with a lot of Manchester United fans who are in our chats and in our mini league uh, for the continued Ole Gunnar Sochar slander because this was a very bizarre match for him to choose to do that in. Cristiano Ronaldo probably should have gotten rested and brought on late in Champions League so that he was fresh for this match where the Premier League is arguably more important. They're a team that has aspirations of making multiple trophy runs and to just be sitting in fourth and fifth place uh, throughout the season and not really making a go of it with this squad is not what you want to see from a big club and a team that has just brought in Cristiano Ronaldo and Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane, to name a few. So a little confusing for me. That being said, you know, Anthony Martial, he comes into the side. He puts the arguably the goat on the bench for this match, and he scores the opening goal. He delivers a sweet finish off a beautiful pass from Bruno Fernandez. But I would say other than that kind of moment of brilliance, the team kind of looked uninspired. And the broadcast kept looking over at the sideline, showing <laughs> Ronaldo with his big hoop earrings on, like itching to get in the game. The broadcast and all the fans wanted him in the game, but Ole was not moved. And, you know, another strange lineup decision revolved around Luke Shaw. We saw him come off injured in the last Premier League match. And his backup, Alex Telles, actually looked incredible in Champions League. And he scored a goal. He looked spry. And yet, what happens in this match against Everton? Shaw gets the full 90 minutes doesn't really make any major impact. So just kind of very confusing uh, lineup and strategy uh, from Ole this match. Yeah, again, without Pogba, who was on the bench as well, there's just so much on Bruno Fernandez's shoulders to create for everybody and to do everything on the pitch. You know, you have both Fred and McTominay, McSauce come in, and I don't love that pairing. You know, I think you should ideally start Pogba in one of those two players if you can, um, especially against a lineup from Everton who didn't have, again, DCL or Richarlison. So it was an interesting interesting tactical choice from Ole. We don't praise him for his tactics, and uh, you can see why. Yeah, and just to take a look at the flip side, Everton, you know, I'm going to take an L. It's only 20% through the season, but I'm wrong on the Everton squad. They showed me something in this match. They showed a lot of grit, and I think Particularly, you have to give credit to the unsung trio in midfield. There's three great budget options in the FPL game, Decore, Gray, and Townsend. And they're all offering outsized FPL value at this point in time. The three of them are among the top nine scoring midfielders, and none of them are above $6 million in price. So very impressive. Everton's goal was on a great solo effort from Andres Townsend. He gets a collects a pass uh, just past halfway from Decore. He takes on the defender and smashes it into the goal. So he ends up, Townsend gets three bonus points and 10 points. Decore gets another result. He gets one bonus and he negates that by taking a silly yellow card laid on, but he still gets five points. So Everton are showing me something. They don't have their best players, but they're still fighting hard. Yeah, and honestly, the whole play on that goal would have happened without 
Damari Gray being so direct and he dribbled past a few defenders all the way at the the midfield line and he took a he absorbed a pretty big kind of shoulder check and still bounced off the guy maintained his dribble and started sprinting down the pitch so uh, you love to see that Everton has obviously you know a new manager they made some key signings they brought in some players from just really the scrap heave I mean nobody is clamoring for Andrus Townsend or Damari Gray where they would they pay less than 1.5 1.5 million pounds assigned to Mari Gray. So it's very impressive to see this team tick along. And they they felt like they were a little disrespected with the lineup that Ole came out with. And they got a, a big point uh, away from uh, Goodison Park. So good for good for them, honestly. And I'll take that L right there with you, Bucks. I was down on Everton to start the season. And they've really um, you know produced some, some good attacking football and some pretty grindy, gritted out types of um, matches. So... On to the next one, Bucks. What do you think? Should we chat about Burnley zero, Norwich zero, or should we just skip it all together? <laughs> uh, what a snooze fest. These are, to my eye, the two worst teams in the Premier League. And, you know, by the stats, by the table, Newcastle is sandwiched in between them. But I actually think for FPL purposes, Newcastle are far more exciting than either of these teams. So, I think that's enough said about Burnley zero, Norwich zero. Let's save our breath and jump to the next match. All right. That match is Chelsea three, Southampton one. This is a good result for Chelsea after two straight losses, you know, one in the Premier League to City and then to Juventus in Champions League. They scored zero goals in both of those games. So good to see them uh, score three goals in this one. It was rather kind of cagey affair at times in the first half. Um, you know, we get an early goal from Chalaba, kind of back post off of a set piece. He's now got two goals, you know, good for him. The young player is getting a lot of reps. And honestly, we should be giving him reps uh, in games against the Southamptons, the Burnleys, the Norwiches, so he can get some more experience in the Premier League and we can rest some of our other players across the board. So unfortunately for me, uh, again, I brought in Alonzo as an upside pick for one game week punt before my wild card. He doesn't get off the bench. He's just brushing his wavy locks and looking around, thinking about Spain while watching the Chelsea side. So that was disappointing. And I mean, this is a huge game week for folks to captain Lukaku. And he somehow blanks. He really should have scored a goal in this one. I I still can't believe that he missed a sitter at the end of this game. So he ends up on two points, not getting a ton of service still from the midfield. Uh, Mason Mount also started on the bench in this game. Uh, coming back from his knock. And I think he really needs to play um, with the likes of Lukaku to get some decent service. Um, but other than that, I was just happy to see Timo Werner uh, finally get in the scorebook. He had a goal taken off, chalked off from VAR. And finally, later in the game, he gets one from a beautiful pass from Aspie across the goal. And you could just see how excited he was and just let out that raw emotion. You can't take this one away from me double fingers up in the air to the haters. Um, and he, you know, he looks probably, he, he does a job for the team. I wish he was a little bit more clinical on his finishes, but it was just a moment to see the whole Chelsea team rally around him and really be happy for him to finally put one in the back of the net. Yeah. On Timo, you could see how much the squad around him really appreciates his style of play. He plays so hard every match, every time he's on the pitch, he's always making those full force runs and he creates so much space. He might not be getting the assists, but similar to the Champions League, he opens the space that then allows for the assist and the goal to happen, a la that Kai Havertz 
wonder goal against Man City. But, you know, Brian alluded to some of the lineup changes that happened in this match. And, you know, we have a word for it for Pep. It's Pep Roulette. And I think for Tuchel, it's we're becoming we're getting into Tuchel Turvey territory right now because he's making (laughs) a lot of changes. He had five changes in the starting lineup for this match. And it's just bizarre to see that Timo is scoring and Lukaku is blanking. That's really a uh, upside down uh, expectation of what us Chelsea fans and really the FPL and the Premier League fan community are expecting match in, match out. So this was a bizarre game. I have to give credit to Southampton. Watching the game and watching the replay and the highlights, this scoreline doesn't reflect how tight of a match it was. It was 1-1 Southampton. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Chelsea scored the opener, but you know what? Southampton really, they weren't pushovers. They leveled the scoring. Tino Livermento, a former Chelsea player, getting run with a buyback clause at Southampton, which is why he's able to play. He's not on loan there. He's actually a fully a Saints player at this point in time. Tino Livermento gets taken down by Ben Chilwell on a rash tackle inside the box, leading to a penalty kick. And James Ward-Prowse comes up and smashes it home to level the scoring. He's probably one of the best at set pieces and penalty kicks in the entire world. So credit to him playing his role. But then he kind of loses his mind just 10 minutes later. He has a questionable red card offense uh, taking down. Jorginho, he gets a straight red card, and then Chelsea really just poured it on, scoring another two goals against 10 men. So again, I think the scoreline is a little unfair to Southampton, but a win is a win, and credit to Chelsea because they are clearly still figuring a lot of things out with who their best lineup is, how the players fit best next to one another, and yet going into the international break, seven game weeks into the season, they're one point clear of Liverpool at the top of the table. So Brian and I, as big Chelsea fans, we'll take that every day of the week. So Livermento crosses up Chilwell in this match. And it was one of those moments where like, if you're on the basketball court and you got crossed up that badly, you just reach and try and foul the person as hard as they can on their way to the basket. And that's pretty much what I felt Chilwell did. He really looked out of place in that, but he makes up for it later in the game with a worldy volley, uh, towards the ends of, uh, ends of regulation and he's obviously one of our most expensive players on the team he's going to get a ton of run so I'm curious to ask you Bucks what you think about Alonzo owners and what they should do now because I think the, the preferred pairing I would have if I was on wildcard which I am would be more along the lines of Aspilicueta and Rudiger for the nailedness what do you think here Bucks for those Alonzo owners right now So there's two things to consider. One, I'm also a Rudiger owner. So I think Rudiger is the most sure thing in the Chelsea defense. He's played 90% of, he's gotten 90% of the starts since Tuchel has become the manager. He's the most trusted and he might be the, a less attacking option, but you want to be able to know that baseline you're getting at least a chance at a clean sheet match and match out. So I think Rudiger I mean, in this one, Bucks. Bucks, he had a goal earlier in the season, and then he had an assist to Lukaku in this game where he was kind of gallivanting down the left side of the pitch, um, just kind of being a cavalier out there. And, you know, Lukaku was just off sides for that that potential goal. So I think he offers a little bit more goal threat than he gets credit for. And he's so feisty in the box when it comes to uh, those set pieces. So maybe we're just overthinking it a little bit um, from his attacking perspective. Listen, I, I love the way he plays. He's probably my favorite 
Chelsea player at this point in time. I just, he plays with the kind of mean streak that famous and legendary Chelsea players like John Terry had uh, once upon a time ago. So I love Rudiger. I hope he's a Chelsea player for the long term. My second takeaway from this match and something that we need to be mindful of, especially if you're on a wild card right now, is Marcus Alonso is being called up to the Spanish national team. And his replacement, who we saw in this game week, Ben Chilwell, is not getting the call up to the English national team. Now, rest and travel are very different experiences, and I think Tuchel is going to recognize that. So I think if you're expecting to see Marcus Alonso in the team sheet for game week eight, you're probably going to be sorely disappointed because I think the age of Chilwell being the starter, at least for this game week eight that's coming up and potentially even game week nine as Marcus Alonso gets his sea legs back in training, uh, that would not surprise me. So I think Chilwell is actually probably the better get. But I think once you open it up to that second Chelsea spot, you need to also consider that players like Christensen, you know, they're cheap. They're an enabler option. He's going to get a lot of starts. Tiago Silva is for sure out for game week eight. He got the call up to Brazil and Brazil is playing in one of those red COVID zones. So he's for sure going to have to be in quarantine for game week eight at least. So if you're looking short term, maybe Christensen Rudiger is actually the double up you want for game week eight. That's just a, a kind of crazy take there. But Reese James is also <laughs> going to be coming back from injury. So I think it's a very crowded back line for Chelsea. I definitely would prefer to have the defenders rather than Mendy. Um, but I think probably just having one Chelsea defender is probably enough. That's my that's my two cents. Yeah, I agree with you there, Bucks. All right, let's move it on so our listeners don't get too bored of us talking about the boys in blue. And we're back. Following some technical difficulties, let's dive into Wolves 2, Newcastle 1. The South Korean, Lee Chan Hwang. Revelation up front for the Wolves. He scores his first brace, and he has three goals on the season so far for a Wolves team that hasn't had many goals to be had at all. So impressive that he somehow scored zero goals in 20 appearances in the Bundesliga and then comes over to Wolves and he looks pretty clinical, got a little bit lucky on one of the goals, but Jimenez is starting to round into form, and I think that's the big takeaway from this match. He is building confidence. He obviously scored a goal in the previous game week, and then he helps set up uh, Huang for two big goals in this one. Bucks, we saw Traore as well. He does not uh, get many minutes in this one, and it's a, a problem for those owners. So I think He's obviously just going to be a stats monster and some somebody we keep out of our FPL teams. Anything else to take away from this one? Yeah, just worth shouting out. Huang ends up with the brace as well as max bonus for three points. So he ends up on 13 FPL points. He's one of the top scorers of the game week. And as Brian mentioned, his running mate, Raul Jimenez, gets two assists and two bonus for 10 points. So I actually think some of the stats were a little misleading if you watch the game and then the advanced stats. Jimenez really got a little fortunate, I think, to get two assists. Huang was pretty clinical and, and looked the part. Um, so just pretty interesting. I think for the most part, for most relevant to FPL managers, was that Newcastle actually ends up getting a goal and wiping out the clean sheet. I know both Brian and I are in 
the Wolves defense. So, you know, you get some points wiped off the board if you're a Marsal, a Cody, or a Semedo owner. So that's that was a tough pill to swallow. Also worth noting that St. Maximin has been on the tips of a lot of FPL managers' tongues uh, the last couple of game weeks, and he had a, a really golden chance to go up for Newcastle before Huang ends up swinging the goal the goal line the other way. Uh, he gets stopped at point-blank range by Jose Sa, who's the goalie for Wolves, who had an assist last game week. So Sa is actually distinguishing himself as the best budget keeper right now. He's $5 million, but he still might be expensive for certain FPL managers. So he's one to watch as you approach a while. I don't know how he stopped ASM on that uh, on that play. It was a very good save. And he, in the goal that was scored by Jeff Hendrick, who came on for an injured um, Joseph Willick in the first half, you know, there was a, a play basically where ASM ran into Jose saw and he was kind of holding his neck or his head region, but they kept on playing through it. And then the ball is getting pinged around trying to clear it from the wolves defensive box. And then Hendrick steps into a, uh, a goal where it just see the scrambling Jose saw couldn't come back and stop it. But I agree. I think he's somebody to take note of as possibly the best 5.0 goalkeeper. Um, and obviously a new player in the premier league who none of us had seen before. Um, so he's, He's, he might, might might be an option on wildcard for sure. Brian, speaking of wildcard, I just wanted to ask your take on Huang. He's priced at $6 million. He's a real differential option Whoa, at this whoa, point. whoa, whoa. You're, you're giving him too much credit. He's 5'5". Five, five. Really? Cheap, cheap. Oh, excuse me. That was his – that's that's his form. So he's <laughs> he's, he's a pretty chips. interesting – so he's a really interesting player. I'm wondering if you're giving him – at, at any bit of thought as you approach your wild card as an enabler, if he lines up as the go-to starter alongside Raul Jimenez, I think he's probably the better value compared to Jimenez at this point. What do you think on that? I mean, I think it's still early days. Um, it's some somebody who I'm definitely taking note of. I would say in the past, we've seen a pretty good strike force where Jota played alongside Jimenez and they both had a lot of FPL returns. So him, exactly. Jimenez exactly. is a player that can create for others. He can hold up the ball. He can pass with some good weighted balls um, to his his uh, teammates. So I'm definitely keeping an eye on it. I think Jimenez is still the main man. He's going to be on pens, and he has a lot to prove for this Wolves team. But at five five, if you're going to have the likes of you know, if you go big up front and say you had Ronaldo, Lukaku, then you could definitely bring Wong in at five five as an enabler. Um, I would prefer him to Dennis just because Wolves are going to be a top 10 side, whereas Watford is probably... Hey, 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 watch your tongue. Watch your tongue. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right, Bucks. I said it. I prefer him to Dennis. Um, and again, he's 5.5. So somebody that could be that fir- that first bench slot uh, in your team, and you could play him against um, some of the easy fixtures like the Newcastles, the Burnleys, the Norwiches. So um, somebody to, to definitely keep on your radar. Yeah, I, I know you're planning to go big at the back, but uh, Huang is an interesting player. I'm considering holding off wild carding right now. And I think that Wolves still have a friendly fixture run, run even if you push off your wild card for another game week or two. So uh, definitely a player who should be on your watch list at this point. He's definitely earned that regard. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty with Wolves in the midfield. So he might be a player that they kind of switch their formation up and he could play well alongside Jimenez. So 
Anyway, let's keep it moving here to the saviors in our FPL teams. Brighton, zero. Arsenal, zero. Clean sheet points all around. Bucks, if you would have started, um, you know, White, you would have had 19 huge points total. You get 12. That's a pretty good effort and something you love to see. They've cleaned three out of the seven games um, from a Brighton perspective. So about where you expect, especially for their defensive assets, who are 4.5. You know, you can't go wrong with Beltman. Duffy, you lose very attacking. He's somebody I'm actually eyeing up on wildcard instead of Livermento. And, um, you know, Sanchez still in goal is a solid a solid shout. So um, I thought this was going to be a KG affair. It was. And um, I'm just happy to get any points I could because after that Saturday run, you're just like, where am I going to score any points this game week? For sure. And this was a kind of dream clean sheet in the rain at the Amex. I think it was a pretty sloppy affair, but defense definitely wins the day, as Brian mentioned. And, you know, both these teams are in really interesting positions. Brighton obviously is towards the top of the table right now based on their strong start. And Arsenal have aspirations to climb up the table to kind of catch up to where some of the uh, bigger clubs are. But I think it's really interesting because both of these teams offer a lot of budget-friendly defensive options, but also midfield options specifically for Arsenal. And I know, Brian, you're probably dealing with this right now as you approach wildcard. And so we'll talk about this more in our next episode. But this was the matchup of what I think are the two standout 4.5 million keepers in Sanchez and Ramsdale. So interesting, they both get the clean sheet. They both didn't really have a lot to do on the day, but I think it's credit to the weather and just the style of play. Both these teams were more in, interested in not losing than they were in winning, so to speak. So deserved point each. All right, let's move on to Crystal Palace 2, Leicester 2. So Leicester go up early and Brennan Rogers finally listens to us. He starts Iannaccio, finally. That beautiful strike force that they were developing in the last 10 games of the previous season. He's just been riding the pine. And you you and me, Bucks, have just been clamoring for him to get some more run. And Madison moves to the bench and they move Nacho up front next to Vardy and instantly pays dividends here. Brian, you don't have to say it, so I will. Brendan Rogers, bro, it's not so hard. We're all watching it from our couch and we know what the solution is. Put in the Nacho Man. He's honestly, when he's next to Vardy, they equal goals. They have 32 combined, excuse me, they have 33 combined goals and 32 combined fixtures playing together. That is unbelievable. Incredible. That basically wow. means that when they start together, they score at least one goal between the two of them. They should be locks to be the starting front two forwards in every match that Leicester play from here on out. And then honestly, another dig on Brendan Rodgers. He didn't seal up this game the way he should have. They keep the front two in. They don't beef up the midfield where clearly there was a problem coming out of halftime. And you know what? Credit to Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira, who's the new manager for this Palace side, he has those boys playing super hard. And he makes the right two choices off his bench. And his two substitute, Olise and Schlupp, they come in. And they score. And so they steal a point at home. Sellers Park gave a standing ovation to the way that the Palace players gutted this result out. And I just think that if you are a fan of Leicester and the Foxes, you probably came into this season similar to Brian and I, expecting big things, another 
top performance from a classy club. And right now you're just wondering what's going wrong. Cause every match, I feel like we're seeing them leave points on the table, drop points to inferior clubs, not play their best players. Super frustrating from a Leicester perspective. Uh, the only ones who really celebrating are if you were bold enough to hold on to Iannaccio or if you transferred him in, he gets nine FPL points, a goal and max bonus for his 25th birthday. And Vardy party continues. It rolls on. He's entering his late 30s, but the guy knows how to party. That's for sure. He ends up with eight FPL points. So just credit to the two attacking players for Leicester. Downvote, come on, man, to Brendan Rodgers. Do better. I want to see this Leicester team live up to their full potential. I back everything you said, Bucks. We want to see more out of Leicester. And Vardy is one point shy of being the top forward scoring in the game. He's on 48 points, and he just keeps ticking along. Hats off to him. I think everybody wants to write him off season after season, but he's so clinical and he's always involved. So I'll be interested to see how his point totals continue if they indeed start Nacho up front with him more often. We're going to tackle this next game week. It's already penciled in as one of our questions, but I think at this point, Vardy is more of a sure thing than Romelu Lukaku and Cristiano Ronaldo. That's my hot take. I'm going to leave that here. Let's go to the next match, which is Tottenham 2, Villa 1. Impressive Hold on, Bucks. Hold win on. for Spurs. Before you jump into that, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we call a tease in the business. Bucks, I love that tease. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely dive into that one uh, in the community questions, but let's keep it rolling. Spurs 2, Villa 1. Spurs stop the bleeding at home versus Villa. Interesting that they stop the losing streak after three games in a match where Harry Kane honestly continues to be invisible and Young Men Sung continues to be the best player for Tottenham Hotspurs. He gets the assist to open the scoring through Pierre Emi Hoiberg, and then he causes the Matt Target own goal when he kind of slices up the Villa defense for the game-winning goal. So he ends up with two assists, a true assist, and an FPL assist, <clears throat> and not real assist, and two <laughs> bonus points for t- for 10 total FPL points. For Villa, standout performance from Ollie Watkins. I know Brian and I are big Ollie fans, and so it's great to have him back in the score sheet and back in the team. He's looking really quality up front. I think he's an interesting long-term differential play. Villa still have a number of difficult and challenging fixtures yet to come, but six points, six FPL points, excuse me, from this challenging matchup against Spurs, that's a good result and I think a good confidence boost for Ollie going into the international break. Yeah, I mean, Sonny Boy is 10 million. He's not in many squads um, who have elected to go with Lukaku or Ronaldo with those big budget funds. And he just reminds you how truly talented he is. I mean, he also did fairly well from a you know shots perspective. Um, he had an XG of um, you know, almost half a goal. So he's, he's very involved. He's taking the shots inside and outside the box. Kane is going to come into form at some point. When that is, we don't know. But I think when Kane does become more of a threat and he kind of puts this funk behind him, uh, Sun will still be a very appealing asset because they teamed up so well last year, just assisting each other and scoring goals left and right. So the space to watch, I, I'm not very high on the rest of the Spurs team, and that's what would put me off of owning either one of those players. But um, 
you know, you love to see the quality of sun shine through once again. Yeah. Kane is taking to Nuno's system like uh, if you drank bad milk right now. So next up, West Ham 1, Brentford 2. Sleep on the bees at your own peril. Brentford, wow. They have been the shocking standout of this Premier League for certain. Yeah, I'm very excited that they have entered the Premier League and we have another exciting team. You know, last year was Leeds. Now it's Brentford. You know, we can say adios to the teams like Burnley who've been in the Premier League for years and years. We need some fresh blood and it really looks like this team is definitely going to stay up there. Well-organized. They were just bringing it to West Ham early on, um, especially since this was a, a home fixture for West Ham. You know, they are playing in European football in Europa League for the first time in many years. And you have to think if that's going to kind of grind them a little bit um, with the travel and the lifestyle and uh, playing extra matches. It showed. It showed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And, you know, Antonio was our captain. You know, we were pretty bullish on him over the likes of Ronaldo this week. And, you know, we still ended up getting four total points, which are two more than the, those who captain Ronaldo. So a small minor victory, I guess. But, um, you know, both Antonio and Ben Rama blanked in this match. They had a number of shots, uh, especially Ben Rama in the first half. He had five total shots uh, in the game and then two shots on target. So he's he's a player that's going to come and go. Um, I thought that... You know, ultimately, he you know he's been a, one of the biggest risers. He started at six million for the the beginning of the season. Now he's six point six, and he is going to be exiting my squad personally uh, on wild card. But I think a lot of managers have those mid price mids like Jota, Greenwood, uh, Ben Rama, who are kind of looking for different alternatives. And I think the template is going to be changing a little bit over the next few weeks. Um, and yeah, Brentford Tony doesn't score, but. Uh, my, my other guy, Brian Mbomo, booms in a goal. One of his... Mbomo, boy, 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 yeah, bueno, right. bueno. Yeah, he, he gets a goal here uh, early on, sets the sets the pace, sets the tone, and he ends up, um, you know, he's 5.5 million, and he's basically playing out of position at striker next to Tony. So he's somebody that I'm definitely considering on wildcard as well. Yeah, just classy showing from Brentford. I mentioned the likes of Sanchez and Ramsdale earlier in this podcast. Raya definitely has to be another goalkeeper in our thoughts on yeah, wildcard. Yeah, I think he had four, four, four saves in this match. Yeah, he had four saves. He he gets a lot of saves from shots outside of the box, which are the exact kind of <laughs> results that Emmy Martinez feasted on last season. So that's just, he's a player to watch. I think Brentford are well organized in the back. And I have to give credit where it's due. Ivan Tony, he's been in my squad since the start of the season. He had a lot of lofty expectations thrown onto him at his price point and with his production levels in the championship. He really is a talisman player. He had a number of hockey assists or potential hockey assists in this match. He fed in a great ball to Kanos, who then gets the ball saved, which then Embuemo puts home for the opening goal. I mean, that whole play was created by Tony's amazing opening up pass through the middle. Um, he's a great player. He's a player who, if I didn't have right now, I'd actually consider probably having him on wild card. I'm not sure if he's template or not, but he looks the part. And I just think Brentford are a team that are going to be surprising a number of more established Premier League sides from a FPL perspective. As Brian mentioned, Embuemo and Wisa, they both get the goals. They each total eight FPL points. And in a losing effort, Suchek 
gets the assist for the Jared Bowen goal. And he sometimes, somehow, I'll never understand this. He ends up with three. He ends up with max bonus in the losing effort for eight FPL points. The game doesn't make sense sometimes. Just deal with it. And uh, on to the next one, which is probably the most exciting match of the game week, the heavyweight battle. And arguably, it was the best 45 minutes of football we've seen all season long. Liverpool 2, Manchester City 2 at Anfield. Brian, I'll let you start this one. I need to calm down for a second. <laughs> I mean, this this was a saving grace of the game week. You know, we we watched some pretty dreadful performances across the board. A lot of our big players blanked, and it was a perfect way to remind us all how talented both Liverpool and Manchester City are. You know, it was a very cagey affair early on. Um, I thought that, you know, it was interesting to see Jota start instead of Bobby Chompers um, in this one, because usually he starts the bigger games. Um, So you and I both transferred Jota out this game week. He gets the start, um, you know, looks looked relatively spry, Um, you know, overall, especially without the likes of TAA in this in the side. You know, Milner was making a few rash tackles. I think that was one of Pep's biggest um, complaints about the game was that he should have been on two yellows in this match. But regardless, you know, 0-0 at halftime, we saw some wonderful footwork from Bernardo Silva. I mean, honestly, he he dribbled past like six guys um, in Liverpool shirts and put a beautifully weighted ball in front of Foden, but he his touch eluded him and he blasted it at the keeper and he got saved. But that was honestly one of the main highlights of the first half. And then the second half, wow, all the stars came out. We get goals from Foden, De Bruyne, Mane, and Salah. And oh man, it was just a, a crazy back and forth game. It was you know 1-0. Uh, from a great kind of play from Mohamed Salah. He's the FPL king, and he you know sets up Mane with a, a great weighted ball, and that was the opener. Anfield was rocking. Like, that place was going bonkers in, in the 60th minute or crazy, so. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, it was quite the scene, but you can't ever count out the champs, right? I mean, that's, uh, that's a classic line, and um, you see the likes of Foden, who has got his first Premier League start this season, you know, coming off of injury, played a lot of minutes during the Euros. And he's obviously, you know, wonderfully talented. He slots in a left-footed goal uh, going left to right past Allison, and that tied it up 1-1. And then the goals just kept coming, Bucks. They just kept coming, you know, seven minutes later. A beautiful solo goal from from Salah. I mean, take us through that one, Bucks. Oh, my God. This was like Messi or Maradona-esque, the way that for he sure, had sure. the ball on a string. He put, I think it was Kinsella, he put Kinsella to the floor, or he put Diash to the floor, and then he goes around Kinsella. He goes through four City defenders like Butter. City, worth noting, they are the best defense in England, if not in Europe right now, by the advanced stats and by just on the field what you're seeing. And Salah sliced them up like they were nothing, and he perfectly puts the ball against kisses the post into the back of the net for the second goal so he ends up with an assist and a goal and max bonus 13 huge fpl points but you know credit to city as brian mentioned they are never out of the game and they fight back for the second time coming from a goal behind kdb gets a great goal levels the scoring really hard fought point each at anfield and you know, Brian alluded to this, but this was the tale of two halves. City dominated, I would say, the first half. They had tons of possession. They were frustrating Liverpool, specifically in midfield. 
Liverpool couldn't really get the motor started. And then Mohamed Salah really just came out of the locker room and said, I am the best player in the world. I am a singular force on the football pitch. When I have the ball at my feet, I'm going to make something happen. And he did for his team. So key takeaway is that Mohamed Salah is to be trusted. Take all the matchup questions out of the out of consideration. Take all of the players that he's going to be playing with. He is just, he's almost like the sun when it comes to FPL. Gravity just revolves around him. And the FPL <laughs> points seem to just come to him like it's clockwork. So he was incredible. And, you know, also really want to shout out Phil Foden, who Brian mentioned. He was giving James Milner nightmares the entire match. I mean, James Milner is going to be in an old age home in a couple of years, <laughs> babbling Foden, 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 <laughs> the way he was just torturing him on the outside. Milner really should have gotten two yellows, if not a third, even later in the game and been off the pitch before that single singular Mohamed Salah goal. But uh, yeah, I think really deserved point. Uh, great respect between these two sides. Oh, so, so I much respect. That, that was, it was interesting seeing all of the players honestly like dap each other up. Um, you know, you have all the different cohorts of international players as well. You got the Brazilians like Firmino and Allison and um, Ederson. They were all talking after the game. Um, you have just so many players across the England squad as well in these two sides. So it was really interesting to see. Um, another moment though, I want to shout out though, I thought Liverpool were going to score. Fabinho was in a position to kind of get a deflected oh, yeah. ball. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, is this game going to end 3-2? And then out of nowhere, Rodri like dives and makes a perfect block because the angle that they showed on the TV as well, like I was just like, wow, he's got like a, a good like five yards inside the goal that he just needs to kick this ball into. And out of nowhere, Rodri blocked it. And we were like, that, that was also a huge highlight with just the the intensity of the match and that the players all across the board were making plays. Yeah, this was one of those matches where there's huge buildup and there's huge anticipation coming into the game. And if it's even possible, it exceeded that. It went way beyond that. I mean, the crowd was incredible. The gameplay was incredible. If you love football, if you love the Premier League, this was like the dream that second half specifically was like the dream 45 minutes of watching a match. There's just so much quality, so much class, and just amazing performances at each end of the pitch. And honestly, if you're a football junkie like Brian and I are, even that first half was a wonder. That was just like a tactical battle. They were swing left and right. Man City puts an extra guy into midfield. How does Liverpool react? They sit back a little bit. It was just, this was an amazing match. I think City and Liverpool are going to be among the teams that are really fighting for the trophy at the end of the season. And this match shows you why. City have probably the best defense in the Premier League, if not in Europe. And Liverpool have to have to be given credit as the best offensive side in the Premier League. And I don't even think it's close on either of those fronts. Yeah, and both are honestly could easily win Champions League as well this year. So it'll be very interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. But uh, just again, Mohamed Salah, he is off to his best start through seven games in his entire career in FPL. He's amassed a massive 70 points, and that includes a 10-point return against Chelsea and a 13-point return against uh, the likes of Manchester City. So, you know, if you just put the perma captain on Salah for the rest of the season, you'd probably be having um, you know, a massive 
results in your overall rank. So I think it's one of those times whenever you are kind of swaying back and forth between two players, you should really always lean Salah. He's just such a good FPL asset to own. So, all right, Bucks, let's wrap it up. We'll take our last quick break and then come back with a few final thoughts before we end the episode. And we're back. As Brian mentioned, we just want to give a quick takeaway on where we stand in the season thus far for FPL. I know Brian has some quick thoughts previewing his wild card choices, and then we're going to get out of here so that we can get to recharging for game week eight after the international break. Brian, take us away. Yeah, so I think we've really seen a pretty solid template developed kind of from game weeks two to game week seven. So a lot of mid-price mids were popping off. So we all jumped on those and we saw those price rises. But I think there's going to be kind of a shift here where people start bringing in, you know, obviously one Chelsea defender is key, maybe two for this run. They're playing some cupcake fixtures. We've seen, you know, at the start of the season, we didn't even have the likes of Lukaku or Ronaldo in our thoughts, right? And those two players have made their moves to the Premier League. So Tons of choice this year, and I, I'm loving what I'm seeing in that kind of 5.5 to 7.5 million pound bracket for the midfielders. So you have a lot of enablers to help set up your team. And I mean, overall, I'm just impressed with the football, especially with the home crowd and the fans in the stands really getting their teams up for it. You're seeing results from, you know, gutting performances from like the likes of Crystal Palace, right? they're typically a walk walkover and you're seeing some really um, engaged football and you love to see that from a fan's perspective uh, as we kind of consume all these games. So those are a few takeaways from me, Bucks. What, what have you thought so far? Yeah. I mean, my quick takeaway, we're only seven game weeks in, so not time to panic yet. If your rank isn't quite where you expect it to be for FPL managers, there's a lot of season left. I guess my takeaway is that there's still a lot of unknown and there's a lot of football to be played. However, we do know that right now the top score in the game is Mo Salah by a country mile. He is 70. The next closest player has 49. And kind of tagging on to what Brian said, I think the template right now is Salah has to be in your team in midfield. And then you could surround him with cheap options. And really the strategy at this point is to go big at the back and potentially big at the front line. I think that's where we're seeing maximum points. And just seven game weeks into the season, it's worth noting that six of the top scorers for FPL have been defenders, not the likes of Ronaldo, not the likes of Lukaku, not the likes of you know these big names in attack or in midfield. It's been unsung heroes in defense who are getting clean sheets and a goal and three bonus points for 15 points. So really, that's where I think our head should be going into the international break, evaluating who the best defenders are, because right now clean sheets are the most certain way into getting FPL points at this point in the season. Yeah. And I think Bucks, you know, when you look at a back line where you could have Trent, Cancelo, Rudiger, and then have some cheap, you know, a Duffy Livermento, you know, those are, those are transfers that you'll never have to make unless there's an injury. You know, sure, they'll get rotated here and there, but you'll you'll have tons of funds to have a playing bench. And I think that's another key takeaway for me. I opted to go for a dead player in my 4.5, which is usually kind of standard for me. I like to play two up top and have a dead forward. And that really came back to bite me this game week. I had no playing bench. 
And I think that's something where I'm going to make sure to address that 4-4-2 with a playing bench is, is something I'm really interested in. Uh, some big defenders at the back. And I think for the mid-price mids, you just have to kind of time it right. You know, I'm really looking at like Saka as a player that could be kind of not template and start to take off. And so it's really trying to predict in that 5.5 to 6.5 price bracket, who's kind of going to be the next Ben Rama? Who's going to be that next player that you can really rely on to be a differential? And it's much easier to take punts on those types of players at their price because you're not expecting them to score every game, but when they get a double digit haul, you're flying. So that's one of the most fun parts of the game is passing the eye test and kind of seeing where you can make up um, some marginal ground in the rankings. So I think I'm just excited Bucks have a few days off and head into wildcard tinkering every single day, trying to play those price rises and uh, farm some value and then ultimately uh, get my team out uh, for game week eight. Yeah, so Brian, save some for next game week. We're going to dive deep into Brian's wildcard. Right now, I'm holding firm as we go into the international break. Obviously, injury news, and there will be plenty of time for that to change between now and next game week, which is not this weekend, but next weekend. So we're going to have a podcast uh, between now and then. We just want to thank the listeners for subscribing to the FPL Blues podcast. If you're not subscribed already, please make sure to smash that follow, smash that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on social media at FPL Blues Podcast. Please email us. We are waiting for some email (laughs) entries and some questions. We're fplbluespodcast at gmail.com. So we look forward to hearing from you. We'd love to get some questions in from some of our international listeners. And let's all make sure to take some time. Let's recharge so that we can come back and get some big green arrows for game week eight. Again, we're going to do Brian's game week eight wildcard team on our next episode. So look forward to having you and hearing from you that. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, Bucks. We'll catch you all soon. Thanks for listening.